Welcome to the Here to Evolve podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Alessandra. And in this podcast, we take topics from both health and fitness, as well as the business side of things. We run two businesses, SD Evolution and Fit Coach Pro, and have a pretty unique perspective because we've had a lot of success, but we are not quite at the top of the food chain yet. Our mission is to help break down these topics so you can learn in an easy to digest manner and apply them into your daily life. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about how the path through adversity leads to ultimate success. But first, if you are a new listener and you enjoyed this episode, you got something out of it, go back and listen to a whole bunch of others and then leave us a quick five-star review. Returning listeners, you know the deal. If you have been listening and have not yet left a review, please do so. Share us on social media, tag us, we'll reshare. You guys have been doing great about that lately, but based on the average number of downloads versus the number of reviews that we have, some of you are still just consuming. You're consuming, 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 and you're not taking action. The simplest action is hitting pause right now, quick click on the five star, and then you're done. Don't even write anything, just click the five star. But diving right in, the path through adversity leads to success, leads to ultimate success, leads to much more powerful growth. Um, we've talked about it on a few different occasions, um, probably more more focused during our uh, our business episodes, which we'll, we'll still start sprinkling these back in there as well. Um, but you learn more through the things that you don't do well. You learn more through your trials and tribulations, through trial and error, the things that you fuck up. You're learning more from those situations typically than you are from your successes. If something went well, you can't always pinpoint exactly why it went well. It just could have been a lucky break. It could have been one of a thousand things that happened. But when you fuck up, you know the thing that you fucked up typically. You know what you did wrong. You know what did not work. And even if it's not pinpointed, there's still a smaller bucket of things that went wrong that you can then focus on improving down the road. And those are the things that are going to lead to the highest the highest level of success, success. You can see success without failure. You can see the highest level of success through failure because you've learned things along the way and can apply them with a more pointed sword. So what the fuck am I talking about? Well, to give you a little bit of a background, then um, this is something I can apply to a hundred different things that have happened within my life, but the most easy, obvious example would probably be my journey with Barrett's esophagus. Um, for those of you who are not familiar, um, just tuning in recently, you don't know my story. I was diagnosed with Barrett's esophagus at 22 years old. So about a decade I've been dealing with this. Um, basically the lining of your esophagus erodes to the point where it looks like your stomach lining and that does increase your susceptibility to esophageal cancer. Not as correlated as they used to think it was, but there is a higher correlation. Um, and then if you progress into low grade and higher grade dysplasia, then you do have a, a significantly higher chance of of developing cancer down the road. Um, I did develop all the way through to high grade dysplasia. Um, I had seven surgeries over the course of a year, a little over a year. Every other month, they actually burned my esophagus to get rid of that Barrett's and dysplasia. Um, and I was actually, quote unquote, I won't even say cured, but I was cleared a little over a year ago, coming up on two years, I think. And I have not, knock on wood, gotten it back since. So that was what I had. How did I get there is really the point of this conversation. Um, I drank heavily. Starting the end of high school, going into college, freshman, sophomore, into junior year, 
Um, I probably drank more in my first two years of college than most people will in their entire lives. And that is not an exaggeration. That is not bragging. It's just a, a simple truth. Um, I, I mean, I, I could put a handle of vodka down by myself. It'd be a terrible night, but I could do it. 30 rack of uh, whatever beer was picked up would not get me drunk in my head. So it was that plus, you know, whether it was a bottle or sharing a bottle with somebody else. Um, this was something that would happen at least four nights a week. We, we had a house up there. We had parties. We just would drink by ourselves and not go to class, the five of us. So it was a, it was a consistent theme. Um, couple this with very limited sleep because I was still most of the time going to class. Um, but my consistent reason for getting up was work and training. So I would still be lifting pretty early in the morning. If I had, you know, clients this is when I was personal training in person. Um, you know, there were days when I was up at five o'clock and I had stayed up until two or three o'clock drunk. I remember the most blatant example, uh, driving back to Colchester from New Britain, um, about a 45 minute drive. My night ended around two o'clock. I had to be in Colchester by six. So I started this drive around five and I, I remember still like spinning on the bouncy ball. I was training a client, quote unquote, training a client sitting on a stability ball and like kind of rocking, but I was still, I was still fucked up. Um, should not have driven to work even after sleeping. Wasn't, wasn't in my, uh, my, my right mind. So that was, you know, part two of this and then part three. So we've got drinking like a moron. We've got not sleeping, which is potentially the biggest fault of all. At least if I'm doing shitty things to my body, if I was sleeping enough, I could recover a little bit. I wasn't. Uh, and then step three was taking all of the supplements under the sun. Um, being a broke college student, all of my money went into alcohol and supplements. I was probably spending at that time 200 bucks a month or so in uh, in supplements, which at that time is a lot of supplements because things weren't 100 bucks each at that point in time. But also for a broke college kid, that was a lot of money. Uh, so you can see where my priorities were. Um, and these are things that are unregulated, things that came out afterwards that had some really crazy shit in it. Did you take Jacked? Uh, I sure. I took Jacked, whatever it's I called. I took Jacked. I took it beyond the recommended uh, serving. So never exceed three scoops. Well, never... it was a pre-workout, correct? Pre-workout. I think I took it once, but why was it? Why did it eventually come back as being a bad thing? I don't remember if it was this one or another one, but there was an article out that had whatever supplement it was. And don't quote me. Look it up yourself. I believe it was a... Uh, an ingredient related to meth, very close to meth or dimeth. I'm not going to try to pr pronounce it, but DMAA and that stimulant narrows your blood vessels and arteries, raises your blood pressure and may cause heart attacks. So that makes sense. So that's why, why they say don't combine it with additional caffeine. Don't take more. It was like, don't take more than four or five days a week. I was taking it every single day. Um, it got to the point where I wasn't even getting the, the surge that I had when I first started taking it. So I was doing all of that and drinking a cup or two of coffee. People died from taking it, by the way. People that's died why, from taking it. That's this. why they took it off the market. And I was abusing it. Nothing short of abuse, as I was with alcohol and my body in general. So that was my routine. Crazy supplements overdosing supplements. Thank God I am. Thank God I just, I developed barrett esophagus and didn't just die, to be honest with you. Um, but all these things were that were in place. So I D 
destroyed my body. I take full responsibility for the development of Barrett's esophagus. And it is hereditary. My grandfather does have it. He was an alcoholic, was, is, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he had, he had the same thing. Um, I really didn't have a choice. I had to shut everything down in regards to supplements. It was at the point where I wasn't, I wasn't even taking creatine. Like I took nothing, wasn't drinking caffeine. Um, and I'll kind of dive into this, the specifics of this in a minute, but I, I had to go wipe my slate clean because it felt like, like I was having heart attacks every single day. Um, I mean, I would wake up and just feel like I was going to black out. Just that, that tunnel vision would creep in. My heart was pounding. My chest got really tight, difficulty breathing. These were the symptoms I noticed before I even you know was diagnosed. I ended up diagnosing myself as I was studying for uh, a certification um, for fitness. Uh, I upgraded. I think it was fitness nutrition specialization, and that was one of the diseases I was studying. And they had, they had done lung tests, heart tests, stomach tests, all these things, negative, negative, negative. So I said, test me for this. They said, no way. That's an old person's disease. I said, do it anyway. And they're like, yep, you have it. So long of, long and the short of it, that's where I was. That's how I got there. I take full responsibility for putting myself in that position. Um, and lifestyle-wise, it, it did some good things for me. It, it put me on a straighter and narrower path for sure. But specifically to my health, to my future, what is now my, my present I would not be where I am today if I didn't go through all those things, if I didn't have Barrett's esophagus, if I didn't have this decade-long battle, which has put me in you know, high levels of anxiety, you know, depression. Just This is the both the best and the worst thing that has ever happened to me. And I say best in context. Obviously, the best thing is Kai. Very good thing and a very, very, very bad thing that happened to me. Um, I would not be so intrigued by fiber nutrient diversity and gut health and lifestyle tweaks and habits and this and that and the other. I would not be teaching these things to other people if I didn't go through what I had gone through, if I didn't suffer to the extent that I suffered. And I suffered a great deal. Um, I'd said this on the last episode or a couple episodes. I don't remember where we are on this, but I, had, I was at a point when I would have, I told Alessandra when I was breaking down, I would rather have cancer than what I have right now because I can't fight this. I don't know what this is. This was after I was cleared and I was still dealing with fatigue and everything. Um, but again, if I did not go through that level of suffering, I would not be so passionate about the things that we are teaching today. So this stuff isn't bullshit. This isn't stuff I read in a book. This is stuff that we have literally applied on a daily basis for, hey, bunny, it's a bunny running through the backyard. Applied these things for a very long time. Don't shake your head. It's, I don't even see it. I appreciate wildlife. These are the things that I enjoy life. I enjoy the things that are happening around us. I can stop and appreciate them. These are the things we've applied for a very long time. These are the things that we are teaching others to overcome their struggles through. But circling back, we reach our greatest level of success by suffering and to varying degrees. This was the, one of the biggest causes of suffering within my life. And it's also had one of the biggest rewards because of the things I was able to learn and take from this experience. I think the example I want to give isn't quite as extreme as yours, but it's something that a lot of people do struggle greatly with. And I don't want to lump it in as adversity, technically, because, you know, growing human life is not adversity. It's a blessing. But pregnancy and becoming a mother is something that can be very challenging and for me specifically going through pregnancy the first time I mean the first time you do anything especially going getting pregnant and growing a baby 
it's just a lot of the unknown, right? So, you know, for someone like me who was is so focused on health and fitness and has been for a long time, you know, going from at what at that time was my peak fitness and health, mm-hmm. getting pregnant, you just don't feel as good, obviously. Your your body's priority at that point is to then grow human life. So, I think it's kind of it becomes a hard pill to swallow because you're so used to feeling so good in your body that when you don't for, I don't want to say for no reason, but when you don't, despite doing a lot of the things that you were doing before or having to change the things that you were doing before, it can really mess with your mind. And even though you know it's a temporary thing, it's a hard thing, it won't be forever, it still is a long time to go through just not feeling great. However, that transformation of having Kai, becoming a mom, really allowed me, I think, to take a step back and not nece- not necessarily approach health and fitness differently per se, but just approach it way more balanced and in a way that was way more sustainable than previously. So previously, I was really in that competitive mindset of powerlifting and being an athlete and just trying to be the best of the best and, you know, wasn't afraid to spend two plus hours at the gym. I drove to a gym 40 minutes away there and back three times a week um, just to get the best possible powerlifting experience. So having to switch from that competitive athlete mindset to approaching fitness more so about longevity and just overall health. It took time, but it was the best thing for me to go through as far as then being able to continue that and sustain that through those early phases of motherhood, through everything that we've been doing the last four years. And I think it's really easy to think, oh, you know, I'm going to have kids now. I'm going to get pregnant. I'm never going to get my body back. I'm never going to feel good in my body again. But I am living proof that that is false. Many of our clients are proof that that is false. I know many of you out there can relate to that because that adversity, and I'm doing air quotes for those of you listening on Spotify or Apple, um, that adversity of going through a difficult transition allowed me to pivot and embrace an entirely new approach to health and fitness that maybe I wouldn't have if we never had kids. So I think that you also have to keep in mind that whatever adversity that you're in, whether you consider being pregnant that or you're going through some kind of illness or just a generally hard time in your life, it's not going to be forever. It is temporary. And I was listening, I was meditating this morning actually, and I was using the Daily Calm app, which is a guided meditation. And what was the quote? It was, I actually took a screenshot because it was like just so on point. Like a sandcastle, all is temporary. Build it, tend to it, enjoy it. And when the time comes, you let it go. So this is true for both the hard things as well as the good things. And I think. On the parenting side, that's something you have to remind yourself all the time, too, of the hard days of parenting your children or 
the hard days of business or the hard days of just your fitness journey, whatever it is you're dealing with, the hard days are temporary, but the good days are also temporary too. That's actually a, uh, <clears throat> a concept in Buddhism. I think they even like, I think that was a Buddhist thing that you posted. They it's, called it something else. It was it's a, called impermanence. impermanence. Well, yeah, they did mention that, but they called it a Japanese term. I'm not going to try to repeat it, but it was some word. Well, that's, it's a good uh, connection here. So those of you, again, who are relatively new, I am not Buddhist. I have come across it and read several books over the last couple of years. I'm super into it. I love the fact that it feels more like a philosophy than a religion. It's just about kindness, compassion, mindfulness, being a good person, um, which I'm sure all the religions circle back to, but I just feel like this one is a bit more open, accepting, um, and that's not the butchers down. Like I have a cross on my side. Like I've, um, my family's Christian. I was never baptized or anything. Um, so I'm, I respect all religions. I'm just saying very, very drawn to this concept of Buddhism, this practice of Buddhism and the concepts within it. Um, impermanence, just understanding that, you know, this too shall pass, for example, nothing is, is going to stay forever. The good things, the bad things, every single thing. So the bad things, it gives you that relief knowing that this not this will not last forever for the good things that can be a scary thing you know the people in your life the things in your life you're not going to have those forever so it it forces a heightened sense of appreciation do you remember when kai was probably i think we just moved into our last house so he was probably around three months old i want to say and you came out of our bathroom, we like put him to bed and I was crying <laughs> and you asked me why I was crying and it was because I was so sad because we're so close to becoming grandparents and Kai's going to be an adult and like I was just having a moment where I was like basically what we're talking about, like time is flying, this is not going to be forever. Um, you know, I was just probably dealing with some postpartum things too, but sure. you know, you when you think about life like that, you appreciate it more. And when you not truly... the, the way that you were thinking about it was healthy. That's literally the opposite it was of just mindfulness. A day. It's the opposite of mindfulness. So we're not encouraging <laughs> you to think about being a grandparent an when you're 14 years old. I'm just giving an example though, because mm -hmm. you can take every single day and look at the things that, you know, you your loved ones are doing, whether it's your kids or your dog or your grandparents and you can just kind of it, it's scary to think about that not everything is here forever but with that it should force you to appreciate what you have and to figure out how you can make each day the best possible day that you can make it at that point in your life absolutely and to again connect the dots there with the buddhism um, there are four noble traits and I'm going to read this directly so I don't botch this. Um, but again, one of the philosophies. So the four, no I'm sorry, traits, the four noble truths are the truth of suffering, the truth of the cause of suffering, the truth of the end of suffering and the truth of the path that leads to the end of suffering. So understanding that suffering exists, understanding what causes that suffering, understanding that your suffering is going to end and understanding that there is a path to transitioning that suffering into happiness, into joy, um, into the things that make life worth living, to be quite frank. Um, and again, notice that all stems from suffering. So a big component of Buddhism is 
it's it's almost essentially appreciating your suffering because kind of like what I mentioned, but they're looking at it from the broader spectrum from both sides where you know you you're entering it and you're also going to exit it. I entered that phase of abysmal health, but I also exited it stronger, healthier. I would say I'm healthier now than I would have been if I kept taking supplements, kept drinking all those things. Even going going through what I had gone through, I overcame it and I'm healthier now. I'm happier now. I'm intrigued by things that benefit me now. And my life has so much, so many more net positives because of the immense amount of suffering. So the path to the greatest joy, the path to the greatest success goes through suffering. So if we can create an awareness of that in the moment of suffering, looking for things to learn from the from what we're going through, looking for things we can pull from to be better in the long run, in some periods are going to be like, what the how the fuck am I going to pull a positive out of you know, someone you love dying. And there's there's no way to put a positive spin on that, but a net positive that you can pull from that is ending some some feuds you have going on with other people that you used to care about. Loving harder, showing your appreciation, saying the things now that you wish you would have said back then to them, but to the people who are currently still around you. Um, and oftentimes, and I'll put myself in the same boat, these things don't actually click until that suffering that tragedy these things happen and then it's like oh well i wish i had done it i know i should now but i didn't i'm not so if you can even be that much more proactive ahead of the rest of us and actually apply these things right now before you go through that all the power to you but if you are in one of these more difficult phases if you're going through some level of suffering again this doesn't have to be totally dropping off a cliff level of suffering it can be anything you're struggling at work right now what can i pull from this you're struggling you know with your parenting skills <laughs> you, you can't get your kids to bed on time and you know you're just in a, a negative mental place i'm not laughing at you i'm laughing with you it's tough parenting is the hardest gig on, on the planet um what can i do differently what can i learn from this experience what can i do better in the future and then as you start applying those things you're pulling yourself out of that suffering um but it is a very weird statement to read or to hear that your greatest joys will be derived through that that path of suffering your greatest successes are derived because of how hard you failed but it's true there's there's no debating it there's no argument around that and let's go let's go black and white let's kind of scale it back a little bit if you didn't go through suffering if everything was just cake if you could print money out of your printer at home for example, you could have all the money in the world with no no work, no issues, and some of you are like, yeah, fuck yeah. You're not going to appreciate that as much. Sure, you might have a great life, but if you had both ends of that spectrum, if you were dirt-ass broke and then made a million dollars, you worked your ass off, you pulled yourself out of that level of poverty, made your first million dollars, were able to support your family, build a safe home, have all your basic needs met, which one do you think you would derive the most happiness from? The automatic printer? or pulling yourself out of that position, having that sense of pride and feeling, remembering what that that low felt like as you're appreciating the high. Let that paint the picture for you because that doesn't even need an actual answer. That was just rhetorical. Obviously, the second situation. We talked about it actually on our team meeting a little bit this morning with our coaches. So two out of three of our coaches are also parents who have littles at home. They're trying to balance all the things like ourselves and 
um, our coach Haley was talking about because she's been putting her kids through swim lessons and it's I think it's twice a week or maybe a couple times a week she has to drive 40 minutes to the swim lesson do the swim lesson and drive 40 minutes back with her two little kids and she was just saying like how grateful she is for our for what they do for their current coaching jobs because she can't imagine having to just do that commute for if she had to go to a normal job every day and drive 40 minutes into the city you know and do that commute every day so I think sometimes when you're in a low point it's also good to remind yourself of that suffering too or of what could be because chances are I mean I do it too like we get to the point where we're stressed about work and parenting and all the things and you kind of just forget what your old stressors used to be so I don't think you want to live in the past and I don't think it's healthy to constantly be thinking about that but sometimes that little reminder of like the other side of it can also help you become more grateful for what you do have. I think we're going to wrap it up here for this episode. So again, the theme for all of our podcasts is through awareness, we create change. We become aware of an issue, we become aware of a problem, and we are able to create change by being aware. Where can they find you? I'm at Alessandra Skutnik. I'm at Josh Skutnik. Everything else is linked in the show notes.